0: Chapter nineteen of the Sign of Silence by William Lequeux. This Librebox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter nineteen The Seal of Silence Yes, there was no doubt about it. Terror and horror had driven me mad, and surely the deadly peril in which I found myself was in itself sufficient to cause the cheek of the bravest man to pale for from that box there slowly issued forth a large hideous cobra which coiling with sinuous slowness in front of my face held its hooded head erect ready to strike while the hindu played that weird music on the pipes its head with the two beady eyes and flickering tongue moved slowly to and fro it was watching me and ready to deal its fatal blow the woman saw the perspiration standing upon my white brow and burst out laughing still standing at a safe distance near the door ah mr royal you won't have much further opportunity of investigation she exclaimed you have become far too inquisitive and you constitute a danger hence this action i'm very sorry but it must be so declared the brutal inhuman woman she was watching gloating over her triumph waiting indeed for my death surely i was not their first victim all had been carried out in a method which showed that the paralyzing drug and the deadly reptile had been used before by this strange trio the music now being played incessantly apparently prevented the snake from darting at me as it was no doubt under the hypnotic influence of its master but i knew that the moment the music ceased it would be my last with frantic efforts i struggled to withdraw my head and hands from the reptile's reach but every muscle seemed powerless i could not budge an inch again i tried to speak to shout for help but no word could i articulate i was dead in all save consciousness oh yes laughed mrs petrie hoarsely we're just playing you a little music to send you to sleep to put the seal of silence upon you mr royle and i hope you'll sleep very well to-night very well as no doubt you will and she gave vent to a loud peal of harsh laughter then for a moment she hesitated until suddenly she cried to the hindu enough the music ceased instantly and the snake whose hooded head had been swaying to and fro slowly suddenly shot up erect the spell of the music was broken and i knew my doom was sealed those small brilliant eyes were fastened upon mine staring straight at me the head moving very slowly while those three brutes actually watched my agony of terror and exchanged smiles as they waited for the reptile to strike its fatal blow in an instant its fangs would i knew be in my face and into my blood would be injected that deadly venom which must inevitably prove fatal yes i had been entrapped and they held the honours in the game after my death Frida would be denounced accused and convicted as an assassin because perhaps i might be a witness in her favour or even assist her to escape arrest this woman had taken the drastic step of closing my lips forever but was it with digby's knowledge had he ever been her accomplice in similar deeds to this suddenly i recollected with a start what edwards had told me that the real sir digby Kemsley, an invalid had died of snakebite in mysterious circumstances in peru and that his friend a somewhat shady englishman named kane had been suspected of placing the reptile near him owing to the shouts of terror of the doomed man being overheard by a peruvian manservant was it possible that the man whom i had known as digby was actually cain the method of the snake was the same as that practiced at hot these and other thoughts flashed across my brain in an instant for i knew that the agony of a fearful death would be quickly upon me i tried to utter a curse upon those three brutes who stood looking on without raising a hand to save me but still I could not speak. Suddenly something black shot across my startled eyes. The reptile had darted. The horror of that moment held me transfixed. I felt a sharp sting upon my left cheek, and next instant, petrified by a terror indescribable, I lost consciousness. What happened afterwards I have no idea. I can only surmise. How long I remained senseless I cannot tell. All I am aware of is that when I returned to a knowledge of things about me, I had a feeling that my limbs were benumbed and cramped. Against my head was a cold slimy wall, and my body was lying in water. For a time, dazed as I was, I could not distinguish my position. My thoughts were all confused, all seemed pitch darkness, and the silence was complete save for the slow trickling of water somewhere near my head. I must have lain there a full hour, slowly gathering my senses. The back of my head was very sore, for it seemed as though I had received a heavy blow, while my elbows and knees seemed cut and bruised. In the close darkness I tried to discover where I was, but my brain was swimming with an excruciating pain in the top of my skull. Slowly, very slowly, recollections of the past came back to me, remembrance of that terrible final half-hour yes joy i was still alive the lotham reptile's fang had not produced death it may have bitten some object and evacuated its venom just prior to biting me that was the theory which occurred to me and i believe it to be the correct one i could raise my hand too i was no longer paralyzed i could speak i shouted but my voice seemed deadened and stifled on feeling my head i found that i had a long scalp wound upon which the blood was congealed my clothes were rent and as i groped about i quickly found that my prison was a circular wall of stone wet and slimy about four feet across and that i was half reclining in water with soft unyielding mud beneath me while the air seemed close and foul the roof above me seemed high for my voice appeared to ascend very far i looked above me and high up so high that i could only just distinguish it was a tiny ray of light, the light of day, with frantic figures. I felt those circular walls thick with encrustations and slime of ages. Then, all of a sudden, the truth flashed upon me: my enemies, believing me dead, had thrown me down a well. I shouted and shouted, yelled again and again, but my voice only echoed high up, and no one came to my assistance. My legs, immersed as they were in icy cold water, were cramped and benumbed so that I had no feeling in them while my hands were wet and cold and my head hot as fire. As far as I could judge in the darkness the well must have been fully eighty feet or so deep, and after I had been flung headlong down it the wooden trap-door had been reclosed. It was through the chink between the two flaps that I could see the blessed light of day. I shouted again, yelling with all my might, Help! Help! in the hope that somebody in the vicinity might hear me and investigate. I was struggling in order to shift into a more comfortable position, and in doing so my feet sank deeper into the mud at the bottom of the well, the accumulation of many years, no doubt. Two perils faced me, starvation or the rising of the water, for if it should rain above, the water percolating through the earth would cause it to rise in the well and overwhelm me. By the dampness of the wall I could feel that it was not long since the water was much higher than my head as I now stood upright would assistance come my heart sank within me when I thought of the possibility that I had been precipitated into the well in the garden of Melbourne house in which case I could certainly not hope for succour again I put out my hands frantically groping about me when something I touched in the darkness caused me to withdraw my hand with a start cautiously I felt again my eager fingers touched it for it seemed to be floating on the surface of the water It was cold, round, and long. The body of a snake. I drew my hand away. Its contact thrilled me. The cobra had been killed and flung in after me. In that case the previous trio had without a doubt fled. Realization of the utter hopelessness of the situation sent a cold shudder through me. I had miraculously escaped death by the snake's fangs, and was I now to die of starvation deep in that narrow well? "'Again and again I shouted with all my might, "'straining my eyes to that narrow chink which showed so far above. "'Would assistance never come? "'I felt faint and hungry while my wounds gave me considerable pain, "'and my head throbbed so that it felt it would burst at any moment. "'I found a large stone in the mud, and with it struck hard against the wall, "'but the sound was not such as might attract the attention of anybody "'who happened to be near the vicinity of the well.' Therefore I shouted again and again until my voice grew hoarse and I was compelled to desist on account of my exhaustion. For fully another half-hour I was compelled to remain in impatience and anxiety in order to recover my voice and strength for, weak as I was, the exertion had almost proved too much for me. So I stood there with my back to the slimy wall, water reaching beyond my knees, waiting and hoping against hope. At last I shouted again, as loudly as before, but, alas, only the weird echo came back to me in the silence of that deeply sunk shaft. I felt stifled, but, fortunately for me, the air was not foul. Yes, my assassins had hidden me, together with the repulsive instrument of their crime in that disused well, confident that no one would descend to investigate and discover my remains how many persons, I wonder, are yearly thrown down wells where the water is known to be impure, or where the existence of the well itself is a secret to all but the assassin. I saw it all now. My taxi-man must have been paid and dismissed by that thin-faced young man, yet how cleverly the woman had evaded my question, and how glib her explanation of her servant going into the town in a taxi. When she had risen from her chair and left me, it was no doubt to swiftly arrange how my death should be encompassed surely that isolated ivy-covered house was a house of grim shadows nay a house of death for i certainly was not the first person who had been foully done to death within its walls as i waited trying to possess myself with patience and hoping against hope that i might still be rescued from my living tomb the little streak of light grew brighter high above as though the wintry sun was shining I strained my ears to catch any sound below the slow trickling of the water from the spring, but, alas, I could distinguish nothing. Suddenly, however, I heard a dull report above, followed quickly by a second, and then another in the distance, and another. At first I listened, much puzzled, but next moment I realized the truth. There was a shooting party in the vicinity. End of chapter 19 Recording by Tom Weiss, TomsAudiobooks.com